0: We started something last week on your grow season, and I wanted to get away into the ghost timing works, but God pulled me back. So we're going to finish this today, and we said this last week, your grow season's a difficult season. Your grow season is a slow season, but your grow season is a very important season of your life. And I, I want to clarify this before we get into the word here in just a second. You're not just growing in one area of your life. I mean, you, you, you're growing in almost every single area, right? You, you can be getting it right as a parent, but totally fell in the marriage. Am I right? Come on now. You can be getting it right at home, but totally missing it at work. Totally missing it in your school. I mean, hey, don't get satisfied with one area of your life growing and ask God to bring a balance of growth across the plate. That's where health comes from. That's where happiness and joy come from, is when we're balanced in our growth, all right? So maybe you can say this as a quick prayer with me. Ready? Just say, God, grow me. Ready? Go. God, grow me. Do it again. Ready? God, grow me right now. Right now. All right, be seated. Grab your Bibles. Let's go. Thank you, Casey. Psalm 40 is where we're taking this, okay? And we're going to take this from one of the, the probably worst people in the Bible. All right, David, David did some terrible things, agree? But yet God said he was one of the men that was right after his own heart. It's not the bad things that he did that made him like God. It was the returning to God, the constant conversation with God. It's the reliance on God that made him right. There's hope for you today. If you feel like you're always messing up, so did David. The difference is, is David would turn his worry into worship. He would turn his, his panic into praise. You see these, anybody else read Psalms and sometimes feel like David might've been a little bipolar? At the beginning of it, he's like, woe is me, this is bad. My enemies are coming at me. By the end of it, he's like, God, you're so good. You know, and, and, and I love it because God takes this guy and writes the biggest book of the Bible using his works, using his writings. And we call it a song book. By the way, God really loves music. I just hope you know that too, because the largest book of the Bible is a songbook. And in this, as you look at it and you you read this, you see that David had changes in his mindsets, changes in his lifestyle, mid chapters, just simply because he had changes in his focus. And last week, as we were talking about growth season, we went to Psalm chapter number 40 and we talked about how you got to be patient. Remember verse number one. Let's read it real quick. I'm not going to spend a long time in review because you can definitely go on our podcast or YouTube or our Facebook and watch it. Um, But it says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and he turned to me and heard my cry. We said this, if you're going to grow, there's two things you got to know. You're going to have to be patient and you're going to have to ask for help. Right, you can't do it by yourself. Rarely do we grow by ourselves. Remember the analogy of a baby, of a child. Your children do not naturally grow in the right ways without help. They don't know how to feed themselves. Canaan wants sugar more than healthy food. Anybody else got a kid like that? All right, um, anybody else got a husband like that? All right, here it is. I, 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 I want sugar more than anything. All right, so it said, he lifted me out of my pit of despair. We talked about last week, he'll deliver you. Two areas he delivers you from hurts, guilt, and, and shame. That's despair. And the very next part of that verse, and he says, and out of the mud and the mire, out of sin and guilt, right? The things that you've done wrong. Isn't that a good thing? God will pick you up emotionally. God will pick you up spiritually. And I don't know about you, but emotionally and spiritually, in my life, I need help every single day. Any me too's in the place today? All right, there we go. All right, then we talked last week. That we ended here. This is where God shut us down. It says this, he set my feet on solid ground. And we talked about how you have to have a healthy belief system. All right? Now, here's the thing. I I was listening to a podcast yesterday. I had seven hours of drive time. My wife called me and said, Casey sent me this podcast, so I'm going to send it to you. I want you to listen to it. I, 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 I didn't know whether or not to be offended because it was a podcast for women, but they sent it to me anyway. All right? And so, as I was listening to it, it's Louis Giglio on She. All right? Maybe write that down if you're looking for a good, healthy, spiritual podcast, ladies. It's a good one. She. All right? It's in the title. It's for you. All right? So, in there they were talking about um, mindsets. And they, they made something, they got my mind thinking. Um, they said this, it takes 200 thoughts to establish a belief system in your life. 200 times thinking about something before you start believing it true. Now that sounds like a lot, doesn't it? And this is, this is where my mind got curious. Uh, Louis Giglio said, studies have shown that 66 days of thinking a thing will create a literal neuropathic pathway in your mind to where your mind will actually claim it for the rest of your life, all right, until you break the habit, 66 days thinking the same thought, yeah, it, now, you might sit there and say, 66 days is a long time, but I've learned this to be true, my grandmother used to say it to me, and it's proven true today, the older you get, the faster time goes, anybody else agree with that, we used to, we were picking out cars, now we're picking out coffins, all right, the thing is, is it goes, right, it right, it changes, all right now uh, that was a little morbid wasn't it that took it to a different level sorry all right but in there like I, I I was thinking about that 200 thoughts and thinking man that you know that's a lot and they were even addressing that so I got on google and I said how how many thoughts does the average person have a day somebody shoot that out what do you think that is no 70,000 70,000 thoughts a day and as I was looking at that, 200 can go quick. It can go in five minutes, can it? You say, it's gonna take me a long time to think of it, 200. How many times does somebody say something to you at home or at work and it's all you think about the rest of the day? By the end of the day, by the end of the hour, you could have a whole different belief system in your life. You ever gone into something excited, something be said, and you're totally done? I was telling one of our teenagers today, you got to get thick skin when it comes to ministry because somebody's always going to hit your emotions. And if you quit, every time you feel something, you'll quit all the time. Agree or disagree? All right. So the truth is this. If I continue to tell myself what somebody says to me, if I continue to listen to it, it becomes a belief system of my life. Write this down. Your actions are based on what you believe. If I believe it, I live on it. He put me on a firm foundation, meaning this, that if you're saying I'm making poor choices, stop trying to change your choices and start examining what you believe to be true. If you believe you're worthless, you'll sleep with anybody. You'll give yourself to anybody. You'll let them dictate your life. You'll surrender your freedom. You'll try to impress. You'll try to please. You'll seek people's opinions over God's truth. Come on now, who's been there? Who's had insecurity ruling in their life and realized that when insecurity is in control of your life, you're actually surrendering your control, let's be honest, to the enemy, for the enemy to do with your mind whatever he wants. It's impossible to make good choices with bad beliefs. If you today believed that God was going to provide all your needs, worry would be a whole lot less. Amen? If you today believed that God could heal your relationship, you wouldn't be using the D word. If you believe today that faith changes things, then you would be digging into your faith more than into the processes or plans of how you can work out your life. How many of you agree with this today? Your stress doesn't come from your faith. Your stress comes from the lack of it. Now, I can really speak that into my life. My wife has been giving me speeches this week on how I'm gonna die young if I don't get this stress out of my life. And so before I stand up here and say, I got this, I'm gonna say to you, help me get this. And we will help you get this because the truth is we need God to set the foundation of what we believe. How many of you have learned that the world changes their mind constantly? What used to be true uh, 10 years ago is no longer true today. Um, I'm not going to get on a, a, a rabbit on this and preach a whole sermon on this, but evolution's theories today are not the same as they were when I was in school. Evolution changes their mind all the time. You know, by the way, can I say this to you? And I know that might trigger some of you because it's evolution's always been in front of you. And so you believe it to be true because it's what you've been taught. But you're being met, taught by a bunch of guessers. People that don't even, they used to believe the world was flat. They actually used to believe the world was the center of everything. They, they used to believe that, that, that all these things happen, but now it's evolved to something different because they've been proven wrong. I'll tell you this right now, ready? The word of God has yet to be proven wrong when it comes to creation. The only argument they have against it is that God's not real. We gotta discredit God because we can't discredit the science of God. Please write this down. God was the first scientist. And people say, well, churches don't believe in science. I totally do believe in science. What other way would the world work without every type of seed and person reproducing after its own kind? Everything would be dead in minutes. What? Who would have thought that something that we would build our houses of to give us structure, we need to actually be alive because without it breathing, we don't have oxygen? I'm talking about trees, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, 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 who would have thought of that? Who would have thought that your body needed all this nervous system and brain system? I'm not even smart enough to tell you the words of the systems. But if one system goes down, the rest of the systems suffer. Am I right? If 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 you stop producing insulin, your body's suffering. If you if you're going through, uh, you know, I don't know about you. I'm a man. If I smash my thumb, the rest of me's down. It's over, right? One part of me affects all of me. Who would have thought that your fingernails were so important, right? Anybody ever lost one? That doesn't feel good, does it? It's like you lose a fingernail. You should get like workman's comp or something like that for a month. All you ladies are laughing. All the men are like, yes. Yes, talk to my boss. <laughs> the truth is this. I, I, I think a lot of times we, we have allowed everybody else to set the, the opinions and direction of our life. You know, the little boys run up to us and they're going to be an astronaut. And we like, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe not. That's going to be hard. I mean, you want to be a doctor? And, and what we start looking at is our bank accounts and our capabilities and where we went as a parent. I went, you know, I went to state school. There's no way you're going to go. You know, I, I, this is what I make. There's no way you're going to do it. And we start limiting the expectation based on what we believe is possible. And that's why there's a verse speaking to Mary in the Bible where it says with God, all things are what? Possible. That's how a virgin can give birth. By the way, can you write this down? If a virgin can get birth, if a boat can be built in the middle of nowhere and float, and if a God can get out of a grave, then your problems aren't too big today for God to be able to change them in a moment. But if I believe that Jesus can walk out of a grave, death being the worst thing that can happen to a human, then I should believe that today's not going to be the end to me. I should believe that this decision I make doesn't have to be all on me. I can trust God. I can step out in faith and something's going to happen. Your belief systems are affecting everything. By the way, they affect you. They affect your relationships. They affect your possibilities. They affect your growth. They affect everything. How many of you got it? Say got it. All right. So belief systems lead to the next thing. Stability. Look at this. It says, and this is where we left off last week, he steadied me as I walked along. Uh, Do y'all see a process here? In order for you to stand on something, your belief system, you first got to be set free of what's keeping you from standing up. Um, I've got a little one-year-old now. It's hard for me to say that. He turned one last week, Grayson. And Grayson is now getting this understanding that he can stand and let go and actually take some steps. But in his step process, his mind has to get to the the, the mentality that I don't have to stay on my knees all the time. And then it's got to get to the mentality of, I can stand holding this. Then it's got to get to the mentality of, I can stand without this. Then it gets to the mentality of, I can take a step. Here's the problem, and here's why most people have no stability in their life. Ready? They're still bound by the enemy's traps trying to stand for something in their life. And they're wondering why they can't get it right. A double-minded man, person, is what in all their ways? Unstable. At some point, you got to realize you need the deliverance of God, salvation of God, faith in God, to be able to get up, stand, believe in God. And then when you stand, God will give you stability. But what that verse teaches us is you don't automatically get stability. All right, I, 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 I will sit in the floor, and so will Jordan, and we'll look at Grayson, and we'll say, come here, and he'll take three steps, and then we'll start clapping, because even at young ages, we love applause, right? And and yay! And then he'll get all excited, and he'll stand, and then guess what he does? He falls. But I've got a video. I wish I'd have thought of this. I'd have put it on the screen. He got a hold of his sister's little shopping cart, you know, those little Fisher-Price shopping carts. And that dude was going back and forth all the way across the room as much as he possibly could without a fall, without anything. Why? Because when he had something steadying him, it made it easier for him to go. And I'm going to tell you this right now. You know where the church is failing each other? You know where we're letting each other down? We come and we say, accept Christ. And people get deliverance and salvation. They accept Christ. And we tell them, hey, let's grow in Christ. But then we have this expectation that now that you're saved and you're trying to grow in Christ, you're always going to be perfect. And you're not. And the Bible says, he steadies me. He steadies me. He steadied me as I walked along. Robbie, come here. Let's give you a visual. How many of you are visual learners? All right. So it's like this. All right. Get up here and lay down. Okay. well that's good. Roll over. Sit, speak. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Here we go. Ready? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm, joking. I'm so sorry. All right. We ended with this last week. Peter walking along. This guy says, give me money. And they look at him and they say, we're broke. We don't have anything, but what we do have, we'll give you in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. A man that can't walk, being told to stand and walk, is cruel. Agree or disagree? That's like somebody coming in here and saying, I lost my loved one to death, and us looking at him and saying, get over it. Cruel? Now, can they get past it? But yes, can they get over it? No. Write this down, I want you to get this. You can get past your sin, but until you get to heaven, you will never get over sin. You can get past it, but as long as you're a human, you're going to have a tempter. And as long as you're human, you're going to have weaknesses. And as long as you're human, you're going to have temptation. And if you're thinking you're not saved today because you were tempted yesterday, stop believing the lie of Satan. If he can get you to doubt your salvation, you'll never stand for anything. If he can get you to doubt what you believe, you'll never stand for anything to make a difference in somebody's life. You will never tell somebody how to get saved if you're doubting yours. Because how in the world can I tell you what to stand on if I don't even know what to stand on myself? How in the world can I tell you how to build your life and your marriage and your family and your kids and your friendships and your relationships, and your career, and your wealth, if I don't even know how to do it myself? And if Satan can keep me trapped by doubt, believing that there's no way that I can walk, then there's no chance that I'm going to go any further than where I am right now. How many of you understand this today? And so they come to him and say, what I do have, I'll give you in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. Remember the last part of that verse I told you last week? What did it say happened? He reached out his hand. And he helped him up. I'm gonna be honest with you. Until the church is willing to help people up, we will never see them get up. Until we're willing to care about the person that is in the trap or bondage, or let's say this, consequences of sin, they'll never be able to stand. But if the church thinks that getting them up is the end of the story, we are sadly mistaken. If you think that all God wants to do today in your life is make you feel better, you're in trouble because I'll promise you this, you can feel good right now and in five minutes feel totally different. How many of you have ever felt good going into a restaurant, ate too much or ate bad food in the restaurant, got home and felt totally different? That makes sense? And it's not a pretty scene. Now we're, we're technically just holding hands. All right, so the thing is, it's like how many of you, you've experienced that in your life? Your feelings can change. Your physical, emotional, spiritual, mental feelings can change in a moment. Hey, God says this, not only in first Peter echoes it, not only is he gonna get you up and not only is he gonna help you, David said, he steadies me as I walk. This is called discipleship. Now I wrote this in my notes, Coming over here. Here's what I wrote about stability. We all need steady emotions. How many of you say it'd be so nice if I had some steady emotions? How many of you say I need steady habits? Anybody else start a diet every Monday? Right? Anybody else? I'm going to change my vocabulary. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to do something that makes me happy every day. New Year's resolutions. How many of you do that? I'm not trying to knock it, but how many of you repetitively are telling yourself, I'm going to get better at blank? Raise your hand. All right, how many of you have great habits? That's like a halfway hand, bro. All right, so two. Two out of 300 plus. Three. How many of you are like, some. I heard that word a lot. (laughs) Some good. How many of you are like, some that I don't want you to know about? Right? Right? Okay, listen, can I tell you this? I can open your fridge and your cabinet and tell you if you got good habits. Amen to that? All right, I can, I can, okay, how many of you went to bed and got eight hours of sleep last night? Good habits. How many of you did not? Bad habits. How many of you ate right before you went to bed? Bad habits. All right, now I know you didn't come to church today for us to be practical. You love it when we're spiritual because then we don't mess with your sin. When we get practical, it hits us, right? All right. Um, anybody else addicted to Oreos? All right, you got this. We follow it. Get it. We need healthy emotions, steady emotions, stable emotions. We need steady habits. We need steady lifestyles. But I wrote this. Ready? I want you to get it. If you got notes, get it out. Get your pen out. Good intentions are worthless without application and consistency how many projects have you started and never finished? I told my wife just the other day, you know how close I was to two degrees and didn't finish them? I mean, years of effort, years of work, finish line literally a month away and didn't finish. Anybody else in there say you have a habit of running away when things get hard? Come on now, let's get real. How many of you shut down when conversations get deep? How many of you you won't raise your hand in church cuz you're scared of what somebody'll think? <laughs> the truth is this, we get there, don't we? We we want results but we don't want consistency. I'll tell you this right now. You will grow where you're consistent. What you feed will live in your life. What you don't feed will die. And we look at our lives and we say, hey, I want this and, 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 and I, I want to be this, but we never put the work in. It's one of the things with our praise team. You know, if you, if, if you want to be in our music program, we would love to have you, but there's got to be consistency. Don't text me saying you want to be in our music program and not go to church. How can you be in something when you're never there? You following this? Don't say, well, why does somebody else get an opportunity and I don't? Here it is. Ready? Most of the time it's because they show up and you don't. You know, we, we, we grow from within when somebody comes to me and says, I got a pastor that I think we need to hire. And they go to this in this church. I'm like, no, if they feel called here, they need to be here because I'm not going to put them in a position of leadership. If they're not called to the place, I don't believe being a pastor is something you take as a job. I think it's a passion that's born in you long before you take the calling. You love the people. You care for the people. You want to see them grow. You want to see them go. You want to see them successful. You want to see them standing up. You want to see their changed lives. It's not something you check in and check out of. It's something you can't sleep because so-and-so's going through this. You can't miss it because you've got to be there. You know what that is? Consistent behavior equals consistent progress. And God says, okay, I will steady you and we will take a step. That's why most of us never make it is because we get up with an idea and think we're going to get there overnight. And God's saying, step by step, moment by moment, I wrote this in my notes. I've actually even got it underlined and in bold letters. Ready? You can be good at anything, but without consistency, you will never be successful or great at it. You can be good at it, but you can't be successful at it. here's, Here's the truth. You ready? You can be good at your job and never be business owner, or manager, or shift leader, even though it's possible to you, if all you do is what it takes to get by. You will not get a scholarship, students, if all you're doing is, is, is barely passing. or hey, and, and how many of us do this? We, we learn what it takes to make it, and that's all we do. We stop there. That's why, okay, can I get real? You are very quiet today, so I'm very nervous. I'm glad you're up here. It's his fault. Ready? Here it is. Ready? Understand this. We think that we can go to church one time a week and that it's going to take care of all our problems. And we think that we can, we can pray, you know, before bed or before we eat and that we're going to have a communication with God that we hear him and understand. And, and I'll be honest with you, that is the biggest lie you can fall into. Matter of fact, can I blow your mind? And and, and I feel like churches need to adapt this mindset. You do not grow in the service. You grow with what you do with what you got in the service. You grow with the next step. And so do it again. Lay down in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Step one of growth, deliverance. Step two of growth, new belief system. Step three of growth, let's take a step. Now we're actually doing something with what we believe. You know the worst thing in the world is to give somebody the same advice again and again and never see them use it. Matter of fact, I got one of those moments in, in my real estate coaching this week. If you, know, if you feel like we're picking on you, I learned that from my poor habits. And then over here, I'm not even trying to make Uh, eye contact with Omar and his wife because I'm supposed to be setting up a bookkeeping appointment with them. And I just, I don't make time in my schedule for it. And it's something that I need. And literally the conversation I had with her right before service was, I need to do this or it's going to be November again and I'm going to be freaking out. And so how it happens is, and my coach said this, I got an opportunity to buy a, 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 a lead source that I've been waiting on and it's a big risk. So I called Chris, who's a businessman, and I said, do you think I'm dumb? And I went through the numbers. By the way, write this down. Part of stabilization in your life is finding someone who's stable in the area you're not, and bringing them into your life. That's called small group, life group, discipleship, partnership. Jesus knew that he was going to have to go back to heaven to prepare a place. So he got 12 men 11 of them survived it, 12 men, and he stabilized them for three and a half years so that at some point of his life, he could let go. And there's a verse in the Bible that says that children, our children, are like a quiver in our hands. They're an arrow. We pour out and we point them. You know why they're a quiver? It's because at some point, you gotta let them go. And I've said this so many times. That verse is powerful in Psalms. You know which way they're gonna fly? The direction of which you pointed them. And if you're always pointing them towards the world, and then telling them about God, when you let go and they start making decisions on their own, they ain't going to make godly decisions. They're going to go in the direction they were pointed. They're going to go in the way that they were stabilized. And if we stabilized our kids by handing them an iPad every time they were misbehaving, then they're going to run towards entertainment and pleasure every time they get nervous and unsuccessful. And right now it's harmless iPad. What's it going to be when they're 16, 17, 18 years old? What's it going to be when they're 22? 22. Have you noticed that most of the things you struggle with in your life didn't start when you grew up, they started when you were young? And father wounds and mother wounds and lacks and all these things create this. And what happens is people that don't have stability in their home rarely are able to hold life together when they get on their own. Do you understand this today, church? God doesn't say, get up, get a belief system, now get going. God says, get up, get a belief system, and I know you ain't going to get this right, so let's do this together. Let's steady each other as we walk. But you got to make the effort. You got to be willing to take a step because here's God, ready? God loves you enough that he's not going to force himself on you. God is with you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. Say it with me, ready? Never leave, never forsake. Go again, ready? Never leave, never forsake. Can I tell you another thing he'll never do? Force. In other words, it's like this. I know the plans that I have for you. There are plans to make you successful and plans to help you prosper. And here is a whole book on how to live out my plan. Now, what do you want to do? And the truth is you take a step and God says, okay, I got you. Just like Grayson, we, we hold his hands and we say, come on, come on, come on, come on. You're really good at that. <laughs> come on. Yeah. Listen to me, church. If we're going to be a season that goes... A church that goes, we got to be a church that knows we have to stabilize. Stop telling people the band-aid answers that churches come up with. Of okay, it's going to be okay. God's got this. It's all part of God's plan. That is, can I, write this in your notes. That is the biggest lie we tell people. There's a lot happening that's not part of God's plan at all. I mean, God did not plan for a drunk driver to kill your loved one. God did not plan for you to be raped as a child. God did not plan for you to get cheated on and be molested. God did not plan for those things. Those are the plans of man. Those are the plans of humans. The Bible says it is our evil desires that draw us away, right? Nobody can say when they're tempted that they've been tempted of God. It is the desire in them. By the way, stop playing Satan for what you let in. All right, but stop looking at Satan and saying, well, Satan made me do it. No, he didn't. You wanted to do it. And you say, well, why am I so messed up? Because you're human. Every human wants to do it. Every human gets enticed by sin. That's why we need somebody that's stabilizing us and saying, hey, you don't need to go that way. By the way, put a coach in your life that when you go the wrong way, they say no. And so I called my real estate coach and I said, am I making a bad decision? She said, I think it's a great decision, but I don't think you're ready for it. And I was like, what do you mean? Here's her answer. Are you ready for it? We've been having the same conversation for the past four months and you've yet to do what I've asked you to do. Why do you think this is going to make you successful? This totally can make you successful. But what this needs to do is light a fire under you to do what I've been telling you to do. I got to go. Talk to you later. Click. I'm like, what a jerk. Right? How many of you would have been offended? Come on, join my team. Yeah, but the truth is, is that's what you need. You need the person in your life saying, sure, you're getting the same results. You're doing everything God told you not to do. I mean, you're just living life the way you want to live, and you're part-time wanting to believe in God. You cuss your family out at home. You yell, you scream. You do all these other things. You go to church. You act one way. Your kids hate God because of the way you live at home. Then you come in, and you call us, and because we didn't call you over the past 15 weeks, that's why you're in the spiritual condition you're in. Hogwash, bull. It's not the truth. The truth is this. You don't have a solid belief system, and you're not leaning on God and others to get to where you need to go. And God will stabilize you, but God will not do all of it for you. He spared you from your sins, saved you from your sins, gave you an eternity in heaven, but then gave you choice as to how you're going to live your life here on earth. And so I can go where he goes, but God's not going to take you where you're not willing to go. How many of you understand this today? If you're waiting on this service to heal your life, it ain't going to happen. You need some stability. Thank you. You give Robbie a hand. So look at what happens once we get, remember, step one, deliverance. Step two, belief. He can stand. Step three, I'm gonna help you walk. Step four, look at this. He has given me a new song to sing. A hymn of praise to our God. Write this down, this is gonna be real. A sign of a changed life is a life that can praise God even when there's not something worthy of praise happening. So I wrote it this way. Joy is not the absence of your problems. It's created by the hope you have in Jesus, even when problems are there. And here's what David said. I patiently waited. I cried out for help. He picked me up out of my despair, out of my mud and my mire. He, sta- he, he, he put me on a solid foundation. He steadied me as I go. And now I have a new song. And now I have a testimony. Your testimony is not found by how long you've been laying where you're stuck. Your testimony is not found. You can't tell me about the goodness of God if there's never a change in your life. Your testimony is found when you've seen God pull you out, set you up, move you forward, move you on, and now you can say, I'm not who I used to be. I'm not what I used to be, and I'm definitely not what I've done in my past. When you get to the place that you say, that was me, this is me, And it's because of Jesus. That's where your ministry starts. I'm telling you this now, like, I feel like one of the things that's absent in our world is joy. And I think a lot of times we we, we mistake joy as a feeling and joy is a belief system result. Joy is not the way you feel right now. That's happiness. How many of you can honestly say, close your eyes. How many of you, with it's about eyes closed? How many of you can say, I'm happy today? Raise your hand. Right now, I'm happy. In other words, you're excited. Okay, good deal. How many of you can say life is hard right now and I'm not happy? Slip your hand in the air. All right. Okay. All right. But how many of you can say, even though I'm not happy right now, I still believe that God can do something great in my life right here. You know what that is? Joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. Look at me. It's the hope of what God can do even when what's standing in front of you seems impossible. Joy says he's going to come through. I'm going to tell you this right now. You cannot have joy without steady faith. Agree or disagree? And without steady faith, in the moment you need to have joy, guess what you get? Anxiety, depression. And I'm saying this. There's there's medical depression, medical things that go on, medical anxiety. Get that. I'm not belittling that. But let's be honest. I believe a lot of our conditions could change if our focus on God was different than it is today. And so here he says, hey, I got joy. Worship is the evidence of joy in our lives. It's the evidence that God is good. I got a new song in my heart. How many of you today can say, I got a God story that I need to tell you because God did something great for me. Would you slip your hand up in the air? How many of you seen God do something? Now look around, hold it high. How many of you have seen God do something? All right, take it down. How many of you are a totally different person than your high school people would remember you as? How many of you are a totally different person than the places you used to work would know you as? If you came into contact with some of the people you knew 10 years ago, they would say, what happened to you? Or they wouldn't believe you. You know what that is? A testimony. And that's not a testimony of look at what I did. It's a testimony of look at the goodness of God. Let's keep reading. We're almost done. It says, he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in the Lord. Write these things down. He'll deliver you. He'll establish you. He'll give you stability. He'll give you joy. He'll give you a testimony. The work that he does in our lives will become evidence of the love and the power, the presence of God, and what he can do for somebody else. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of miles on my life. Anybody else? I came down a mountain in Van Orr. Anybody else been to Van Orr? Yesterday I was in Van Orr you can get in the middle of nowhere fast, can't you? And I was up these back roads and all this, and I've got a truck, and, and, and um, one reason I have a truck is when I drove the minivan, I almost fell off a mountain in it, and and, and, um, and as I was driving, I came around this corner, and I was going 20 miles an hour, came around this corner, and all of a sudden, my truck started heavily sliding. I was downhill and heavily sliding towards the edge, and, And I was like, "What in the world? It's not supposed to be that." I'm in, I'm in four wheel high. I don't even know what that means. I got a high and a low, and I just, I kind of go back and forth between the two just to see which works better, right? And so I'm that kind of man, all right. And so I, I, I don't have a clue which one I was supposed to be in, but I know that high kind of it really holds you back. And so as I was coming down and I slid, I was like, "What in the world?" So I got to the next place and I realized that my tires are bald. You know, it's like you got all this ability, but you don't got traction you got all these miles, and and I don't know about you, but sometimes miles can do some wear and tear on your life, right? Close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking. Stop touching your loved one. That's a weird thing to say in church, isn't it? Stop touching them. I want you to have freedom to make this. Some of you have been married a long time, and how many of you say sometimes the miles of marriage can put some wear and tear on my heart? Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. How many of you got kids and say sometimes the miles, the years of raising children... Can really break your heart. Anybody like that? How many of you have been married two years and say the miles that we've put on in the past year or two have really challenged my life? Would you slip your hand? All right, that's there. It's there. How many of you would go beyond that and say, maybe you're not the bald tire, but maybe you're the tire that's got a nail in it. Anybody got wounds and scars that have been created from the miles that you've put on? Look at me. Look at me, listen. The miles of your life, the scars of your life are lessons learned The lessons that you've learned and the things that you've gone through, the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, they are all part of the testimony of how God wants to use your life to impact somebody else. You know how many books of excellence are in this room that'll never be written because we are in a belief system that we're not good enough. But God has taught you something and brought you out of something that if you would simply just write a devotional, you would change hundreds if not thousands of lives. If you would just get on your Facebook or get on your Instagram stories or get on something and you would just post a two-minute segment of what God's done recently in your life. There would be people that would immediately be drawn because of where they are. Immediately be inspired because of what they're going through. And lives radically change. But you know what Satan will say? Not you, not you. No, you got foul language in your life. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Stop waiting to be perfect to believe that God can use your life. David said, hey, I've got a testimony. And before you start saying, well, David was right with God. This chapter is about mm, uh, 10 to 15 chapters before we find out about the affair. This passage isn't written once David's figured it all out. This is the passage written as David's going into the worst season of his life and the worst mistakes of his life into the seasons where he would have regret, into the seasons that would cost him four children, into his seasons that would make a a kingdom split and divide and, 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 and go to war. He's about to go into the worst yet he's writing a story of testimony before he gets there. And I'm telling you this right now. God is not looking for perfect people to do his work. He's looking for imperfect people that are willing to tell people that without him, they are nothing. But because of him, they have survived. They've made it through. They've overcome. And he will use the imperfect to do his perfect work in other people's lives. And today, I can't stand up here and say, I was great this week. I can stand up here and say, I probably got more wrong than right this week. Any me too's in the place? I can stand up here and say, I probably wasn't the happiest person when it compares to how much happiness and how much anger I had this week. Anger probably wins. Any two, any twos in the place. I, 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 I am glad that, that, that they weren't doing the documentary of my life this week. You know, because I had some bad moods. Okay, I'm the only one confessing. Raise your hand. Who, who's with me? All right. <laughs> That's a lot of us, right? The truth is this. Satan will try to say, "Mm, he can't use you. You know what God says? Give me what you got. Same thing when he looked at Moses. Moses is standing in front of a burning bush. And God is saying, I'm going to take you and I'm going to deliver a nation. And Moses says, I can't speak. You know, he's a wanted murderer in Egypt. And he's standing in front of this guy. This bush, this God, speaking from the midst of it. And the question God asked him wasn't, what can you do? It is, what's in your hand? And in Moses' hand, we've used this. There's a whole sermon we did about this seven years ago. In his hand was only a staff. He was a shepherd. That represented his identity of who he was. It represented his income of what he made a living doing. It represented his abilities. It's what he used to do this. And what did God say? Lay it down. Can I tell you this, and we didn't go into this, but as I was reading this passage just this past week, that staff was the representation of failure in Moses' life. Now, we've never preached that because Moses gets a good reputation because of how God uses the last 40 years of his life. But what about this? He was raised in a palace. He was raised for good ones. Pay attention to me right now. Ross, you can preach later. He was, he, was, he, was, he was raised in this. He was raised in a palace, taught to do good things, taught to do the, the things that would, the elite would do, and yet now he's standing in somebody else's field with somebody else's sheep holding a staff. Would you agree with me? That was not his potential. It's a representation of failure. You are not what God intended for you to be. God did not put you in a basket down the Nile to a princess because he wanted you to be hidden in the wilderness. God did not let you go through and survive what you've survived so that you would go hide. And he's standing there in front of him in his hiding state and he says, what is in your head? Lay it down. I'm going to tell you this right now. There's some of you today that God has done miracle after miracle. Matter of fact, most of you, if not all of you. That God has brought you out of things you don't deserve to be brought out of. He spared you from things that you should have been taken out by. There was a whole decree that every baby in Egypt that was Jewish born be killed. Yet Moses survived. Not only did he survive the soldiers trying to kill him, he survived the crocodiles trying to eat him in the Nile. He should have never made it. Yet he did. And at his first mistake we find, he goes and runs and hides. And God brings them to a bush and says, what's in your hand? And here's a staff that should have never been there. And God said, lay it down. I'm telling you this right now, and I'm going to call out the church. It's time for you to stop using your mistakes. Stop using your failures. Stop using the things that you wish you'd have done different as the excuse of why God can't use you right where you are. And God said, give me the failure. Boom, lays it down, comes a snake. Matter of fact, I said this, and I'm going to give it to you. What you're holding on to will stay dead. When you give it to God, it comes alive. He lays it before God, it becomes a snake. Go read it. He picks it back up, it dies. Lays it down, snake. Picked up, dead. Stop holding on to your life. The Bible says if you hold on to it, you'll lose it. But if you give it up for his sake, you'll find it. Isn't that what the word of God says? You and I are just like Moses. We're running from something, but we're being called to something greater. And God said to Moses, come over here. Take off your shoes. The ground on which you're standing is holy ground. And one of the only men that can ever record, one of, one of, there's another, that could only record that they had seen the face of God is this man that was known as a murderer. And I'm saying that to say this, for far too long, you've been holding on to something that you need to give to God, that if you would simply give it to God, God would use it to do something great. It was called a staff until he laid it down. And for the rest of recorded biblical history, every time that that staff is referred to, It's called the rod of God. I don't know what you're carrying today. I don't know the miles, the scars, the lessons, the things that are there. It's time that the church stops hiding behind what they got wrong and give what was wrong to God so he can take it and use it to deliver. Can I just say very very quickly, America, our nation needs it. You know, we got too many churches can I meddle? Come on, somebody give me permission. We've got too many churches who want to condemn the homosexuality while we're not even dealing with our own sexuality sins. We want to condemn the pedophile when we're over here neglecting our children. We want to point out this when we're over here doing that. We're deflecting what needs to be dealt with expecting the world to give up their sin when we're still hanging on to ours. And we're judging, 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 judging. And we're seeing nobody go free because we're holding on to this is what we believe should happen. And I believe this, and I'm going to tell you this right now. God is not calling you to his throne so that you can take the seat. God is calling you to his throne to remind you he's on the seat, and that anybody that comes to that throne will find mercy and grace, and anybody that comes to that throne will find acceptance and forgiveness, and anybody, no matter what they're saying, where they've been, no matter how long, no matter how far, no matter where you've gone, God wants to take you back right here, right now. And so instead of saying this is what I got that's holding me back, God is saying, what's in your hand? Give it to me. Lay it down and watch me use it to set your generation free. Teenagers, listen to me. Some of you a year ago were self-harm, 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 but now you're not. Some of you were eating disorder, eating disorder, eating disorder, but now you're not. But I can tell you hundreds that are still self-harming, hundreds that are still eating disorder, and I can stand in front of them, and David can stand in front of them, and Andre and others, and our, our team, Howard, Chris, we can Casey, we can, Chelsea, Rachel, we can go down the list of all of our youth. We can stand in front of them all day long and try to teach them how to not harm their bodies, and they will not listen. But if you walk up, pull up your sleeves, show your scars, and say, this is who I used to be, but this is not who I am today, and you wouldn't tell them how God brought you out, you could save your generation from a whole world of mutilation. And for those of you that are like, that doesn't happen here. Are you kidding me? They found a kilo of cocaine in Jeff County this week. That's what somebody told me before school at our church today. And you're sitting there and saying, oh, it's real. It's there. You don't have to go find it. Matter of fact, let's, 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 ready. You don't go have to find the devil. You don't have to find him. He'll find you and he'll lure you and he'll entice you. And we need some people that say, yeah, he did that to me too. I took a bite, but you don't have to. I have said this so much this week. Adam was standing at the tree. And if Adam would have had his belief system intact, his stability in order, Adam and Eve wouldn't have got thrown out of the garden, the snake would have. Adam would have grabbed that thing by the neck and said, no, not today. There's too many of us sitting there letting the devil do the talking. When it's time for the church of the living God to step up and say, I got a testimony. He's giving me praise. And many will see what he has done and be amazed. Our whole hope at grace is that last sentence. Today will put their trust in the Lord. Thank you, brother. Somebody asked me one time, why do you always tell? It's like every Sunday you get up there and you you tell too much about your life. I've heard that said. Have you ever heard that said? You will if you keep doing this. You tell too much about yourself. People don't need to hear that. I'm like, you know what? People don't need to hear how perfect we are. They don't need to hear this, you belong here junk. They don't need to be welcome home. Your church is not your home. If it is your home, that's your problem. He's saying, well, what do they need to hear? They need to hear this. I Need Jesus 24-7, because without him, I am not a good person. Without him, I can royally mess it up, and I have, and this is what I've done. They don't need to see families that are standing up there acting. My parents used to do this, and I don't want to shame them. I want to bring honor to them, but my mom used to take her high heels off on the way to church and hit my dad in the temple with them. And then they would get out of the car, hold hands, go into that service. I'll never forget it. I was like seven, eight years old. They went into that service. And while my dad was preaching, he went behind the choir and brought out a dozen roses and gave it to my mom. And they kissed in front of the church and everybody stood and applauded. And I sat there and said, God can't be real. God can't be real. These people were beating the snot out of each other on the way to church and now they're acting like they love each other and everybody's buying it and there's not a spiritual discerning eye in the place that can step up and say that's not real. You know why the world doesn't know us? You know why the world doesn't want to come to God? Because they see the churches and somehow without having the Holy Spirit, they know how fake we are and we can't even see it. And at some point in our lives, we got to say, let's just be real. I don't get it right all the time, but even am I wrong, God is still there. Hey, I don't know the answers all the time, but God is faithful today. I don't even know how I'm gonna get my next paycheck, but God's already got the client. I don't know where tomorrow is going. We used to sing the hymn, "Many, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow. Somebody finish it. You old school, what's the next line of that chorus? And I know he holds my hand. I don't know. You say, what's going to happen? I don't know, but I know he's faithful, and I know he loves me. I know he loves you, and I know for whatever Satan does to you here, God will restore, and God will use it. It will not end you. Matter of fact, God will use it. They end him. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that. The cross was Satan's end game, but it was God's beginning. And that is what you need to know. It may be the final straw. It may be you're on the last nerve. It may be you've made the worst decision and all falls apart. I'm going to tell you this right now. The best thing that could ever happen to you is for you to spiritually die so that God could resurrect you into how his plan was for your life. I tell people all the time, tragedy is normally the number one thing. Crisis wakes people up to their need of God in their lives. And most people, unfortunately, have to go through it to find that God is faithful. Look at verse number four. Oh, for the joys of those who trust in the Lord, who have confidence No. Is that what it says? What's it say? They have what? In the proud. Or in those who worship idols. You know what it's saying? I'm not following you. I'm not leaning on you. I'm not believing what you say to believe. I'm not going to build my life on what you tell me to believe. I'm not going to spend my life going around saying I can't trust anybody. Because nowhere in the Bible does it tell you you should. Somebody, uh, listen, I'll give you $100, literal honest truth, $100 if you can bring me a verse that literally says to put your trust in another person. The Bible tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why? People let you down. You know what's good? When you're trusting in the Lord, even when the person lets you down, you don't give up on the person because God doesn't give up on them either. When you're trusting the Lord, you can make it through. He says, the joys for those who trust in the Lord who have no confidence in the proud, people that act like they can do it, they're boasting about what they can do, or in those that worship idols, people that want you to follow them. By the way, I, I get that. That's why we don't, we, don't, we don't push your membership at Grace. Matter of fact, how many of you are a member, you've joined Grace? Hold it high. Less than half that are in attendance. How many of you are like, nope, not a member, and don't even know what you're talking about, raise your hand. You know why it doesn't matter? Why join a church if you're not joined the kingdom of God? You're not gonna get to heaven and say, I was a member at grace and get in. But you can't get to heaven and say, I know him. And the best thing to hear from Jesus' mouth is, I know him. He's mine. He's the one that I died for. She's the one that I died for. I gave my life for. I want you to join the kingdom of God long before you ever join a church. Don't follow man. Don't listen to me. Go get your Bible and grow your faith because as you grow, he stabilizes. As he stabilizes, the Bible says that when they went into the temple, that the guy that used to be begging for arms, he went into the temple too. And every person that Jesus healed and he said, don't tell anybody, was in the streets telling everybody. Why? Because when God does a work in your life, You can't stay quiet about it. You gotta tell somebody. You know why? Because it's so exciting to know you're accepted and significant to him. People need to know it too. He'll give you a testimony. The grow season makes the sow season easy, exciting, enticing, and essential. You'll never go until you grow. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and nobody look around anybody in here tired of the same old thing in your life tired of the same old feelings tired of the same old results tired of the same old routine come on where you at raise your hand All right, with that hand in the air right there where you're at say god i'm committed To outgrowing this season. I'm committed to growing into the testimony you have for my life. To believe that I will not be stuck in a wilderness holding somebody else's staff much longer. Because what you started in me, you will finish. So grow me and use me. Here am I. Send me. Take your hands down. How many of you in here, you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God. You've given God your heart. You've accepted Jesus as Savior. You have made the commitment. You've confessed with your heart and then confessed with your mouth. He's Lord Jesus. You are saved. Slip a hand in the air. Nobody look around. How many of you got that? Now I always say this. If your hand's in the air, go ahead and thank God for what he's done in your life. Give him some praise. That's worthy of that. But here's the truth. If that's not your story, it can be. And it can be right here. A church can't save you. Neither can a baptistry. I think we're going to baptize on the 18th, by the way. Keep that in your thing. But here's the thing. I want you to understand this and get this in your mind. Your commitment to people doesn't save your life. Your mama being saved, your grandma being saved, your grandpa and your daddy, that doesn't save you. Standing at an altar and confess, that doesn't save you. A choice in your heart and a confession of your mouth, that's what saves you. Do you believe God and what he had said, that Jesus was his son? He died for you, but three days later he got up. He got up. He's alive, representing that you can get up, that sin can't hold you down, that sin is not the end of your story. All sin was laid on Jesus, but even the weight of that sin could not hold him back from still being the son of God, walking out of that grave three days later. And as a child of God, you can be set free. As a child of God, you can be forgiven. As a child of God, because he rose from the grave, the same spirit that lives in him wants to live in you and raise you up too. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, you shall be saved. If you've never had that moment of your life that you've just had a conversation with God to accept the gift he's given, to acknowledge the sacrifice he and his son made, then right there where you sit, this is your moment. Do you believe he loves you? Do you believe he died? Do you believe he's alive? Then right there where you sit, your confession to God is as simple as, I believe your word. I believe you love me. I believe you'll save me. So with my mouth, I'll declare you Lord. And in this moment, I'll declare you the king of my heart. You're the savior of my sins, but Lord, you're the leader of my life. So I give you my heart. And is there anybody today that where you sit, maybe this is that salvation moment where you will say to God, Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. I give you my heart. Is there anybody like that today that says today I will give him my heart? heart. Would you slip a hand in the air? Hold it there until we acknowledge. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? I give you my heart. Amen. Anybody else? I give you, join these three, these four, these five, these six. Anybody else that says, hey, here I am. I give you my heart. I believe I take you at your word. Amen. Now, hey, listen confess it. The Bible says if we confess it before men, he'll confess it before the Father. So I believe today, if you just made Jesus the Lord of your life, will you join me? I'm going to count to three and as loudly as we can, let's make it known that Jesus is Lord of my life. You ready? One, two, three, go. Jesus is Lord of my life. If you just accepted Christ, I want to give you an invitation. So, sweet, I see God, God's been working on you since you walked in the place today, haven't he?